Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your dream. Well, hello, Power Partners. The Goddess Gals are with you again today here on Star Style. Be the star you are, brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And you're listening to us on Voice America Empowerment Channel. We are striving to seed, stimulate, and support you to be positive and to have a better dream come true in life. Today's Miracle Moment is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you to success in writing, acting, media, and presentations. And you can call 925-377-STAR or visit star-style.com for more information. And this is by one of our American favorite authors, Mark Twain. I have never let my schooling interfere with my education. (laughs) I think what he's saying there is, you know, experience is sometimes the better teacher in life. And I sometimes the the school of life is actually the better school. There you go. I really like that. I think that is a, a really great idea because it's true. I mean, you know, we have to fail. We have to try things ourselves and. I, as much as I am a book reader and believe in the power of books and education, sometimes you learn more by doing and you learn more by failing than you do by, you know, reading about it. So get out there and do it. Well, today on Star Style, we are doing it. We're going to be sharing some resolutions for the full year for the garden. And you're going to get a complimentary coaching session on the power of body language when you are speaking. 
And right now in Health Matters, our health hero, Heather Brittany, is going to offer relief from those chronic ailments that bug us. For example, do you get cold sores? Are you plagued with stinky feet? Are your eyes constantly dry or are they constantly watering? Everybody experiences something at some time that is very irksome. And Heather, you have a prescription for a relief for many of these common complaints. So give us a few tips on how we can feel better faster. Yeah, well, exactly as you're saying, there's so many ailments that are always going on in our life, but there's many things that seem to be um, repetitive that happen with uh, almost everyone. Um, that, you know, even when we're feeling our best, we have something going on. You know, we still have some aches and pains or, you know, maybe we have some marks on our bodies or, you know, these, sometimes these bumps come up and what's going, what's going on that when sometimes we feel really well and it's not that we're sick, but we sort of have these conditions in with us. And, um, one thing I'm, I'll just kind of start with, as you mentioned before, if you had said about cold sores and what they are, you know, they're small, painful blisters that usually occur um, around the lips. And over time, you know, Pete, there's been so many names from, uh, you know, some blisters, cold sores. Uh, what it actually is is that it is um, the herpes simplex virus. And when we hear that, we think, oh, my God, you know, oh, it sounds horrid. But something very interesting is most times people contract it um, in a non-sexual way. And usually what happens um, is that adults will have it. Uh, if you, you remember the things of don't share your lip gloss or don't share sodas, it wasn't, you know, just about getting, you know, germs and getting sick that way. Um, it's because there is that fear, you know, bumps on the lips, it's so unattractive. Um, but oftentimes you'll see little kids uh, with, you know, these cold sores on them. And what's happened is adults have kissed them or adults have shared, um, a, you know, a, a shared the same glass somewhere that, and it's transmitted that way. Um, and usually, you know, is it the same as a fever blister, Heather? Yeah, exactly. Or is a fever blister what you get so, from the sun? No, they're exact. So fever blisters, cold sores, sun blisters, um, they're all just cute names for saying oral herpes. Uh, but when we hear that, it's just, you know, again, it just sounds so, so horrible. And it's, it is different, you know, than the general herpes. But um, one thing, you know, uh, with that is many people, they know when they're coming on or, or when they get really dry lips, as if their lips blister up or, um, you know, if they've been exposed to something. So, and oftentimes, too, because it is a virus, it's always in your body. And you may only have, you know, one flare-up in your whole life, but once you've been exposed to it, it's always in your body like any virus. And as we know, when our body is fighting something else, um, you know, it puts all of its antibodies, all of its work towards, you know, fighting this flu. So that's why a lot of times when people are cold, um, that's why they call them cold sores. When they're not feeling well, when they're, we have the flu, everything just seems to um, go on down with it. So um, one thing, too, is cold sores, you know, they usually clear up um, in a week or two. And a lot of times people uh, say they can feel it when they're coming on and feel the tingly sensation. Or, you know, if you're... Um, you know, getting sick and you're starting to know, you know, the dryness, um, they do make, uh, uh, you know, you can put uh, medicated lip balm on, trying to stay healthy with it, but also um, reduce exposure to the sun or make sure anytime you're in the sun that you have sunscreen on your lips because that's one of the things when your skin, it almost can burn it, it can blister up as well. And they actually make some um, non-prescription remedy that you can put on and it's uh, medicated so it will actually help uh, soothe it so you won't, so maybe you'll only get the first sign of it without having to go through the whole process because when they do come up, 
Um, if it does become, you know, the cold sore, it has to go through the whole process then usually of becoming a blister, popping, you know, uh, drying up. So if you can prevent it early, you know, put it on at the first sign of it, um, or if you feel that you're getting sick and you know that you're susceptible, then put on these cold remedies. Make sure you're wearing, keeping your lips very moistened, and also avoid, um, again, you know, kissing or sharing beverages with others because that is the time um, when you're shedding, uh, when you're viral shedding, and you can expose someone else to it. Heather, um, is that is that also, aren't they also caused by stress when you're under a lot of stress? Yeah, well, no, and of course, you know, many things, um, because again, when we're stressed out, our body is, is working on overdrive. It's not getting, you know, oftentimes we're not eating properly, we're not getting enough sleep. So our body is trying to help out the main things. For example, um, a lot of times if people are very stressed, they're not sleeping, they might not be sleeping well at night, they might you know, be working a lot. So your body is trying to maintain then um, the brain function. It's going to, to work on other things because it knows it needs to help, you know, help the heart, help the brain, help the essential organs. So um, the other things might might come up with that. So, um, again, limiting your stress um, is always which is always, you know, easier said than done when people say, oh, just limit your stress. Um, but, again, the thing usually with this is that people do have a first warning of it. They Once they've had it before, they'll get a tingly sensation. So if you just know you've been under stress or you start to feel that feeling, just take, you know, active measures so that you don't have to go through the full thing. Um, another thing, too, you know, spider veins, varicose veins, and what exactly they're in, um, is usually it's a large, ropey. Sometimes they can be painful. Sometimes um, they're not painful at all. They're just not attractive. And sometimes you'll see um, the big bulges um, in people's arms, usually sometimes lower legs in the calves. Um, I know actually my husband, he had a... Uh, what injury. causes those, Heather? What causes them? Um, well, usually, it can, sometimes um, it can be the uh, damage, uh, damage to the veins, and what that means if there was um, an incident of you know someone pounding on it hard. For example, saying my my husband has one that was due to a rugby incident, it didn't didn't go very well. Um, but also, I mean, uh, many people who are susceptible to varicose veins um, are people who are stand on their feet a lot or have a lot of pressure um, that's going to go through the ankles to the calf because that's usually where they tend to be. So, for example, many um, uh, flight attendants, uh, women when they're pregnant because there's an extra amount of weight, as well as people who are overweight. So it isn't just when you're standing all the time. It's when there's a lot of pressure being put onto the feet and so the veins are coming up and they're not getting enough uh, blood supply. So the biggest thing is we always say, you know, do anything that's going to boost uh, circulation, you know, walking, running, swimming. Um, also, they do make um, uh, compression socks. They're going to put a little bit more uh, pressure on the area so that it's going to uh, uh, circulate uh, circulate the blood better. Um, and then, you know, the big I thing heard that is- using those compression socks are also excellent when you're flying because, you know, you've talked about before how when you fly there, you can get um, the embolism and so you need to get up and walk a lot. So someone was telling me that those compression socks are really great for that. Is that it? Is, do you know anything about that? Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say, and that's, that's a big thing too, is that always, um, I actually read a recent support recent support, recent study, a recent report uh, study that was saying, you know, our, the big thing we say, you know, about obesity and, and smoking, and they're saying uh, serenity, just 
sitting, being um, not getting up, not moving around is like the new cigarette um, of the 21st century is that, uh, you know, people just, uh, you know, our jobs have changed. We're no longer, you know, in the field. Now we're at our desk in our office all day. And for the most part, too, you know, in the land of convenience in the world we live in, um, it's affecting our health because now we can shop online, do grocery online, we can do everything. We don't even have to leave our house. Or, you know, you're doing conferences. And many times people are just sitting all day long, and that's not healthy for us. So one thing to try to, similar with um, ergonomics, how they say, you know, every hour, look away, you know, to help um, not strain your eyes, you know, use little pads to help with, um, you know, so you don't get carpal tunnel with your wrist. But also get up, move around every, you know, hour or so. Get up and just move around for 10 minutes. Just get your blood flowing. It's more dangerous. You know, that's when we are, when your body is in non-movement. It's, it's dangerous to be like that. Um, so just getting up like that. And, and then also, too, some of them can be rather painful and somewhat dangerous. Um, and there are many uh, vein specialists now. And it, it used to be a very big procedure. It cost a lot of money. Um, and, you know, there was scarring to it. And now there are so um, micro, you know, non-invasive uh, procedures and that many times uh, insurance will cover it. So if it's something, you know, that you're experiencing any pain or, you know, maybe it's even the emotional pain is that, it, you know, you, you don't feel attractive with it, um, talk with your doctor and talk with your insurance that you can have it covered as well. Um, another thing that I think oftentimes many of us go through, especially with the changing of the seasons, uh, I would say smelly feet. Um, having boys around in the house, I definitely, but I must say sometimes. That is a, that's a funny one, but it's a truism, isn't it? Yeah, and you would say it's smelly shoes. I mean, there's so many pairs of shoes, uh, not your idea, you know, boots or, um, you know, little Tom style flats that I've thrown away because you know, when, once you sense a smell, and, and that's something, you know, we had evolutionary, why we, why we have smells, it's so, it's to help us for that we're able to detect things. Um, you know, we first developed this in evolution um, so that we could smell, you know, if something was rotten or if something was burning or the same as we talked about in our Valentines, you know, our, our smell, our, our sexual smells, our pheromones to people. Um, but shoes are such a distinct thing. And, you know, once you smell that horrible smell, I've had that before. I've been out and been like, oh, my God, that's my shoes. Oh, God, you know, I can smell my feet. Um, and what it is, you know, many things is that our feet, like the rest of our body, have thousands of sweat glands. Um, and a lot of times, you know, the uh, footwear doesn't have, uh, you know, protecting the bacteria and the odors. Just as we know is our skin, why we, we cleanse our skin, we wash apart. Um, there's many things we don't really think about our feet. And I know a lot of times um, there are certain shoes I wear a little floss, but I don't wear socks in it, socks with them. And when you wear socks with shoes, um, the socks are absorbing the odors. But when you don't, your shoe is absorbing the odor. So over time, you know, that's where sometimes if you're running around, your feet can become stinky, you know, sweaty, as well as the shoes just have those odors. And sometimes if you just cannot get them out, they are just room five. But a quick kind of remedy for it is to air out your shoes every 24 hours um, before wearing um, and that can be, you know, and of course, hop in the shower. I'm someone that I have to take a shower every night before I go to bed. 
Um, and that's just one thing is, you know, washing your feet. Um, and look to, you know, sometimes we really wear our shoes down till there's nothing left. Well, not only is that going to potentially um, upset the, our feet and the way we walk and the way the hip movement because our feet are, are not getting uh, proper support, um, but, again, there's just going to be absorbing more of the odors, um, absorbing more of the odors and making it more of a shoe that we're going to have to get rid of quicker. And they do make some powder. Well, going barefoot's probably the best thing for that, right? I mean, or going yeah, wearing well, flip-flops, exactly. maybe. But, again, you know, getting back to the you know, support, I think. But, um, you know, you can put in uh, baking soda. Baking soda, we've talked in many things, is one of the oldest tricks in the books with getting out so many odors. Um, you can, you know, if you put bake, if you clean with baking soda, you can put baking soda down the uh, the garbage disposal, or put an open box baking soda in the fridge. What it does is that powder is it absorbs in the odors. So you can put that um, in uh, your shoes sometimes, kind of clean it out. They make antifungal sprays and powders. But sometimes, too, you know, as we always say is there could be an underlying condition and something interesting, um, as we've all heard about, the Botox, and you know, that basically what Botox is is botulism. It, it, it kind of contracts and freezes something. Um, it's poisoning the cells. Um, Positivity-wise, that now people, you know, it used to be a, cos- or it still is a cosmetic procedure, but oftentimes you're not covered by insurance, you know, so that you can have a tight face. But for people who have overactive sweat glands, it is something that can be um, uh, covered by insurance now. So what they've been doing in some cases is for some people who have um, constant perspiration, doesn't matter, you know, how much uh, deodorant they put, they just sweat and they sweat, sweat, and overactive, um, that they will uh, give them Botox injections um, into their armpits, and it will suppress them from sweating. And the same thing, you can have that done uh, with your feet, and the same thing that it can, you know, kind of help suppress this overactive overswelling. But always, you know, talk with your doctor about anything. It could just be because you're not wearing, not wearing socks and not doing it um, before you, you know, before you self-diagnose with that. Um, another thing too is dry eyes, and I actually, uh, I constantly have this. I can't tell you how many times people say things about how red my eyes get, and I have no idea they're just feel itchy, um, you know, and, and scratchy and just so dry. And I actually recently went to get my eyes rechecked up as do and, and I tell them, you know, I, I always get red eyes. And the biggest thing is uh, a lot of times, you know, I was doing something that I know, but the, the quick relief. So they make all these eye drops out there that, you know, you put in the Visine, you put it in, and instantly your eyes get this bleach right. Well, what that doing, what's that doing? What that is doing is it's um, contracting the blood vessels. They're they're expanding, so they're kind of being cut off, so they're they're not flowing anymore. But it's a temporary uh, temporary relief. So once um, they're no longer constricted and they expand out, that's when the the bright red. And over time, your eyes can become almost addicted to needing these drops. And what's happening is your eyes are building up an inflammation in there. And we're exposed to that via sunlight, smoke, smog, um, irritants, uh, can't, whatever it may be. Our eyes all have these certain conditions. And if you're finding that you're having to use uh, drops every day, you could, again, have chronic dry eyes, which is considered a condition, um, or you could just be doing things that are affecting your eyes. So um, the biggest thing is if you're, if you're using drops, don't, which I, you know, I always carry a pair in my purse and I need to be better about it. 
But the best thing, too, if, um, if you do need to use something, instead of using the ones that are to clear your eyes or, you know, that say, get out the red, um, basically be using the ones that are a saline, almost a water solution. Uh, sometimes they're called liquid tears. Those don't have any of the chemicals in it, and all they basically are doing is moisturizing the eye, just giving it back some lubrication. So using things like that, or, and sometimes too... Is this uh, a condition, Heather? Because I know so many people, like including your dad, he's a, he has Visine or something all the time, and he's always complaining So I, about his dry eyes, so I know that it's, I think he's just done it to himself because he always uses it. But is there a condition you should see your physician for? Um, yeah, well, so here's the, the whole thing I'm saying, that there is the actual, now it's considered to use dry eye, where you j- just constantly having to use it. And a lot of times they said, we've done this to ourselves. So um, things you can do, if, and also and if you ever see, if there's ever, um, when I say inflammation, so what there's um, an inflammation that we can't even see that's under the layers of the eyes that, um, again, you know, your body's an amazing thing. It's working on over to, to fix these things, and that's what can cause the dry eyes, or that's what sometimes can cause your eyes to water. Um, but if you ever see the inflammation as in a discharge inflammation, that could be a serious eye infection such as pink eye. And usually um, things like that, uh, you have to get an antibiotic prescribed by a doctor. Um, but if, you, you know, if you're constantly having a chronic dry, having to use drops every day, speak with your doctor, go to your doctor and have them do an exam. Um, just the thing is when they did the exam, me, it turns out my eyes are even better than they were a couple years ago. Um, and that was one thing due to no longer that I'm in front of, I'm not working at a computer all the time. But um, what they did say when they did, you know, these uh, amazing tests, that they said, wow, your eyes have so much inflammation in it. And it's most likely caused by all these drops you use. So the best thing is to using saline solution um, or, you know, just water sometimes on your eyes and, you know, and also avoid rubbing your eyes and also avoid um, wearing eye makeup uh, to sleep because that can cause um, any infections as well. Um, kind of the last thing, too, is, you know, nail fungus. Um, I know when, you know, we have infections that appear, you know, yellow, white spots on your nails. Um, the interesting thing with your nails give us a lot of information regarding our health. Um, sometimes if you look at the, if your nails, if there's cracks in between, if there's weird spots, if there's um, almost looks like half the nails white and then clear, what they can mean is different um, deficiencies in your body. It may mean you know, you're not getting enough calcium. Um, it can mean that, you know, you've contracted a fungus. And sometimes, too, um, you know, you hear in the news, Excuse me. You hear in the news about um, people going to nail salons and not being treated correctly with things, and then they get infections that way. Um, also, the yellowing of the nails. Sometimes yellowing of the nails can be caused by cigarettes, or um, it could be something more intense, such as a liver infection or liver disease. But uh, fungus, as general as we know, you know, fungi they they live in moist. You know, dark places, that's the same thing with mold, why we see you. mold happens a lot in bathrooms. Uh, fungus loves living in your nails where it's moist and warm, um, and it's closest, you know, closest to your body. It's getting a lot of blood in there. So things do, um, wearing sandals and shoes at the pool, we've also, also heard that a lot of times when people go off to college um, in communal showers, um, as we know, bacteria um, just thrives on that stuff. So 
Um, if you're ever walking on surfaces, you know, wet surfaces, and I think wet, warm, moldy, um, as well, you know, can, including communal showers, make sure you wear sandals um, or that you're scrubbing your feet, too. Um, and sometimes, too, um, I've never done this personally, but if you are very uh, fearful of uh, getting an infection from a salon, you can bring in your own tools. Um, there are many um, laws and safety things that they have to be up on board, but as we know, it can happen. And Heather, uh, you know, what about nail polish? That just hit me when you said salons, because I know people get fungus um, on their finger, especially women who get, like, you know, the acrylic nails or or whatever, the, any of those kinds of things. But, you know, when you go to a salon, you get a manicure or a pedicure, they usually provide the polish. Can that can a fungus live inside the polish, or is that killed because there's acetone in it? Uh, you know, hypothetically, uh, potentially, but um, that would be, you know, very rare. You know, sometimes the, the biggest thing is possibly in um, a clear or non-acrylic because sometimes people, you know, if oftentimes, you know, now we're in this big movement of uh, all natural and this, and things that, you know, are made with berry dyes instead of, you know, various chemicals. Um, those are the things that could potentially, because as we know, with any fresh product, it uh, spoils easily. Spoils quickly, so, right, um, right. If you have, yeah, so sometimes if you're using some kind of organic, non-toxic, non-chemical um, kind of nail lacquer, that's the potential. But in general, you don't really ever see those because they can be highly expensive. Um, in nail salons, they tend to be the full chemical, full of this. So it's more of the tools that they're using. And often you see them, um, they're supposed to be, you know, a very uh, uh, sanitary uh, procedure, uh, as with all places, in restaurants and anything like that. But, you know, things sometimes do happen. So um, as you're like, just be aware of the place when you go into the sanitary levels. And, again, if things don't seem sanitary, it's probably not worth your money or worth the chance of infection. You're always more than welcome, just as they say, something you can bring in um, your own products. Uh, I've brought in my own nail polish before because I wanted to match it with a dress. Um, and so often they'll let you bring in your own tools. But, again, just being aware or you can even say, you know, if they bring it out, could you just say, could you wash this in front of me or can I see how you sanitize it? Um, the other thing is that if you're protecting your own health um, because these small things can become very big things. Well, these were fabulous Fabulous tips, Heather, and I think that, you know, they're all really important to know, and especially the one, the eye drops and the nails, I think, are really big ones because they tend to be things that everybody is doing and nobody thinking about, and then the information, of course, on uh, the cold sores and the and the stinky feet. I mean, nobody likes nobody likes any of these conditions. So thank you so much for shedding health uh, light on health matters. Would you give out the websites? Well, definitely. We want you to go to bethestarur.org as well as bethestarur.com. Well, when we come back from break, we're going to go into the garden for some resolutions. So get up and stretch and move around, and I'll be back in just a bit. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. Stick around. Be the star you are. The star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. 
Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the star you are. 501c3 Charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestarur.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star you and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Find all you need in a life that shines. William Somerset Mom said, if you don't change your beliefs, your life will be like this forever. So I hope you got up during the break and jumped around. I mean, we're back right now, but uh, stretch your legs and and uh, your arms and look out the window and see a little bit of nature. You know, by February, most of the resolutions that we made on January 1st have been waylaid. Our dreams of losing weight and becoming more organized or being a better person might have already turned into nightmares instead of dreams. But if we want to be triumphant in life, we need to make conscientious changes or else we're going to be doomed to stagnation. So February is the perfect month to create our year's gardening goals or our nature goals. If we do a little at a time, step by step, and commit to success, we will achieve our desires. There is this saying, by the inch it's a cinch. I hope you've heard that before. So what I suggest is I'm going to give you a few goals for to get outside. Choose one or two goals to utilize per month and then make it happen. Because the only way to predict the future is to create it yourself and to become a better gardener or a sustainable gardener. We have to adopt new ideas and adapt our beliefs. So whatever your level of outdoor expertise or experience, you're going to benefit from several of these suggestions that I have. I like to tell people, get going and get growing. Well, one of the easiest things that you can do is to keep a garden journal. That is, whether you write in a notebook or create a digital diary, you want to keep track of what's happening in your landscape. You'll be just so shocked of how it changes year by year. For example, here in Northern California... In February for this year, we are almost two months ahead of blossoms and bulbs being uh, uh, popping up and fruit trees in bloom. And I don't know what that's going to mean for our crops this year. I, I know I was talking to a restaurant owner who was really concerned about drought and the fact that all these fruit trees were blooming when we had a, we had like a, a two days of rain and all the blossoms were knocked off. So we'll see how prices get going. But it's very interesting to keep a journal. 
ask a lot of questions. Don't be afraid to go to your local nursery and be inquisitive. Talk to your grandmother, your neighbor, or even a total stranger if they have a garden or plants you admire. There really are no dumb questions, and gardeners are always flattered to share their knowledge. Discover something new, whether it's planting an emerging specimen or experimenting with garden art. Try something new this month. Go global and experience a plant from another part of the planet. You want to grow the world. Educate yourself. Now, to educate means to draw forth. And as we said with Mark Twain saying in the beginning, it doesn't have to just be book knowledge. It can be experience knowledge. But so you could take a class, read a Join a garden club, attend a lecture, watch, watch a documentary, surf the internet, just walk through a botanical garden. Whatever it is that gives you pleasure in learning, go to a place of discovery and growth. Then share your knowledge. Many gardeners develop their passion for the earth, myself included, by following a parent, a friend, or a relative through the garden. So be a mentor through example and offer your insights to neighbors and friends and especially to inquisitive children. Make sure that you walk outside every day and if you have a garden or a small yard, stroll there every day to witness the changes. You don't have to necessarily do anything more than enjoy the serenity, but by actively seeing your garden, You're going to be able to spot any problems, and you can find the perfect location for the new birdhouse, or you can receive some of nature's exercise benefits. If you haven't already, want to embrace composting. Nothing's going to enhance your garden more regularly than adding organic matter to your soil. Composting is so simple once you get in the habit. I keep a five-gallon bucket inside my garage and right outside my kitchen. I add coffee grinds, eggshells, tea bags, shredded newspaper, wood ashes, vegetable scraps, and anything biodegradable that you can add to your larger bin or your pile. Long clippings, uh, leaves, wood shavings, and weeds can also all be mixed in. Just don't include meat or dog or cat excrement or any diseased plants. And if you have chickens or rabbits, their droppings are absolute gold. Chicken manure does need to be aged for two or three years or it will burn your plant. It just, it really is just so high at that nitrogen. But turn your compost pile every few months and when it smells really earthy and crumbles like chocolate cake, you're ready to spread it around. Work in short spurts. You can make a list of what you need to do in your garden on a weekly basis. Then throughout the week, check off the tasks as you have time. There's no need to spend eight hours every Saturday or Sunday trailing unless you want to. And, of course, I have to say, it was as soon as the days get longer and the, and warmer, I just can't wait to get up in the morning when I have a day off and literally get out there and dig and, you know, and just puddle around my garden, fixing fences and and holding up vines and doing the fountains and the bird baths. And sometimes I'm there, you know, 12 hours, but I love it. But you'll feel exhilarated by accomplishing one or two small chores in an hour here or an hour there. But you also want to mulch for garden health. By maintaining a three-inch covering of mulch, you're going to re- reduce erosion. You're going to maintain the ground temperature. You'll suppress weeds. You'll con- and you're going to prevent disease. So leaves, pine needles, shredded bark, wood chips, even gravel offer these benefits while beautifying and unifying the look of your landscape. Now make sure to photograph your space. With our smartphones and digital cameras, it is so easy to take pictures. You can take photos in all the seasons for better record keeping as well as to document the 
changes over the years. It's amazing how quickly our gardens evolve. And then save a tree. Seven million urban trees are destroyed every year. Americans are being asked to plant a tree or to care for one that you already have. Trees are our friends. They combat global warming. They absorb CO2. They provide oxygen. They clean our air. They cool our environments. They conserve energy. They prevent erosion. They supply nourishment. They offer play spaces. They grant shade. And, of course, they increase the value of our property. Be friendly and be with two E's. Make your garden attractive to birds, bees, butterflies, and bats, and you will enjoy a healthy, happy landscape. If you provide a pollen-rich food, you provide shelter, water, and a landing space for beneficials, your garden is going to grow quicker and healthier than it would if you didn't have these beneficial insects in your garden. Plus, the beneficial insects eat the bad insects. And, of course, they also pollinate our trees, our flowers, and our vegetables. And finally, the final tip is to absolutely forget perfection. My motto has always been that failure is fertilizer because there are no mistakes in the garden. If you plant something and it doesn't grow, just don't lament. Throw the plant on the compost. Grow a new garden. Keep in mind that Mother Nature is always. in charge. The birds, the bees, the wind, the wildlife will always be introducing something to your design that you did not plan and strive for excellence but deep six that perfection or you're going to be deeply disappointed. Gardening is good for you. Gardening boosts morale, it lowers your grocery bill and it's a free fitness center. So a garden's best crop is happiness. Plant some today. And here are just a couple of mid-month reminders. You can give a living gift such as a beautiful dendrobium orchid or a fragrant garden or even a cymbidium. These are all available in stores now at very low prices. This is the time of the year that you can buy these, a, you know, a big, um, a quart pot, and they're blooming, and they're usually less than, so sometimes 7 to $20. So remember to give a living gift if you're going to someone's house. It's good to bring a bottle of wine, but maybe a plant would be better. It'll clean their air. You can start seeds of warm season crops indoors, and that includes tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, basil. You need to wait at least four to eight weeks before setting these in the soil, and of course it depends on where you are and what your weather patterns are. If you haven't already, start pruning grapevines while they are dormant and the canes are brittle. Pruning grapes is an art that keeps the vines producing and healthy. If you're crafty, you can save the long, strong canes for projects that's just making wreaths. Remove all fallen camellia flowers from the ground to prevent rust and other diseases. Something that I've been doing lately, and it's really, it's really pretty, everyone who comes by comments on it, is when camellias fall a bush, normally they're still in perfect shape. They just have fallen off the off the bush. So instead of throwing them in the compost pile or discarding them, what I do is I line them up on a path or on a hedge, just like, you know, sort of like a runway. 
and every couple of feet apart. So I have these beautiful magenta-colored camellias, and they last two or three days, and then they start to rot, and then I have to dispose of them. For me, I have the barnyard, so my goats just love, and the chickens love eating them. So I just keep changing them out, and it's a it's a terrific idea. So you could line a path or or hedges, and, you know, when they rot there, you just pick them up and, and get rid of them. Uh, you can cut multicolored bouquets of freesia to perfume your interiors right now. Freesia are just one of the most lovely bulbs that start blooming of year. And they are just uh, really, really fragrant. The white ones are the most fragrant, but they come in yellow and pink and purple and kind of a, a red color. So if you don't have any, think about planting them for next spring. And finally, ward off cancer by planting and consuming parsley, artichokes, blueberries, bok choy, broccoli, kale, lemon, strawberries, red grapes, and tomatoes. We all want to be healthy and so make sure to plant some of those really important um, vegetables and herbs. And keep in mind that if you are looking for a speaker for your event that to do any to speak on anything on the garden, on nature, on avoiding the drought, anything like this, please let me know. You can call 925-377-7827. I've done several presentations in the last two weeks on tips and tonics in the garden as well as drought resistance and how to uh, to fight it. So please give me a call or visit goddessgardener.com. So we'll be back in a bit with a complimentary coaching session to help your body language say what you mean. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I'm Cynthia Bryan and I will be right back. Don't go away. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. The best way to illustrate a point, the best way is to tell a story. Humans simply aren't moved to action. They need stories. And starting from the time we have enough of a vocabulary to string together two sentences, we all start telling stories. And even before that, we are entranced by them. We make sense of our lives through stories. We relate our experiences through stories. And therefore, stories are an incredibly powerful way to communicate to influence, and to lead. So here are some ways to make your stories powerful. First, be brief. Stories should be long enough to cover the topic, but short enough to be interesting. Some details and descriptions are important, but creating your verbal version of War and Peace is not necessary. Be vivid. Use descriptive language to create word pictures. When you tell the story, draw on as many senses as possible. Include action. There is that action films are consistently among the top at the box office. To be compelling, your story must have action. And stories must make a point or create a dialogue. Your story's point may be obvious, perhaps, but you want your story to be discussed further. So 
If so, conceal your point just a bit, and then when the point is discovered during the dialogue, people will own the story, and then they'll retell the story. So start telling your story today to gain trust, inspire action, and communicate your authentic message. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style with another business fight. For more information, visit star-style.com or call 925-377-STAR. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are, you are the star. Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in the light that Did you know that if you speak in a high-pitched voice, you will be judged to be less powerful, less empathetic, and more nervous? The key to success is projecting confidence, credibility, and your personal brand of charisma when you speak and using nonverbal cues of body language. So I want to give you a complimentary coaching session right now with some tips to enable positive in-person as well as virtual interactions, whether you're on the platform or a teleconference. The first thing is because so often now we are using video Skype or FaceTime or doing teleconferencing and so many auditions and job interviews now start first on the internet. So it takes less than seven seconds for people to make judgments about your confidence, your competence, your professional status and your warmth. You must dress for success even if it's on the internet while a face-to-face meeting gives you that added opportunity because you get to enter the room, you can shake hands or at least, you know, uh, have eye contact face to face. Your visual presence sets that first impression on the screen. So make sure that your grooming and wardrobe send the right message. Second thing is flash a genuine smile. Humans produce about 50 distinct types of smile, but one distinction really matters. Is it real or is it fake? You want to really be having a good time, showing genuine enjoyment, because smiles light up our entire face, and they create crow's feet at the corners of our eyes. Smiling directly influences the way other people respond to you. When you smile at someone, that person almost always smiles in return. And because facial expressions trigger corresponding feelings, the smile you get back actually changes that person's emotional state in a positive way. So smile more. And remember, you know, smiles give our face value and frowning, it takes more muscles to frown than to smile. Uncross your arms. Now, everybody thinks that they know that because most people are more comfortable when you have your arms crossed. But when you cross your arms when you are sitting or in a meeting, it is really shutting down your empathy and shutting down like your heart. 
all, it might be true that crossing your arms makes you focus more. But in nonverbal communication, it's not how the sender feels that matters more. It's more important how the observer perceives what you're sending. So you do need to take cultural differences into account. Crossing arms is almost always perceived as a sign of uh, very closed, hard resistance. And by the way, since the human brain pays more attention to negative messages than it does to positive messages, what people unconsciously look for and react to most are signs that you are in a bad mood or that something is wrong. So if your arms are crossed, it seems like you're not interested in what the other person has to say. So uncross your arms and at the same time uncross your legs. Lower your vocal pitch. In a virtual meeting, the quality of your voice can be the deciding factor in how you're perceived. And as I said at the beginning of the segment, speakers with high-pitched voices are judged to be less powerful. Yeah, so, you know, try to take your voice down an octave. Think radio. An easy technique to use before the meeting involves putting your lips together and just saying, hum, 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 hum. And I say also, I do a lot of uh, voice exercises like the big black bug, but the big black bear and the big black bear began to bleed. And so if you do some tongue twisters, that'll help you too. It relaxes your tongue and then that relaxes your voice and it puts it at an optimal pitch. Sit straight up. When you square your shoulders and you keep your head straight, especially when you're speaking, it makes you look more sure of yourself. And when you when you look more sure of yourself, you'll be perceived as being that way. And interestingly, you feel more. When you hunch over or round your shoulders or tilt your head, you look more tentative. And hunching minimizes your physical presence and makes you appear less confident and competent. And when you tilt your head, it's perceived as positive cues only when you're listening to someone else speaking, not when you are speaking. Something that when I'm doing acting training, I always tell people, you know, if they're, if they're in a scene where they're arguing with somebody or they're trying to make a point or they're, they're trying to be like a powerful attorney or a parent or whatever, is don't stoop over. Don't bend over and go get your face in their face. Whenever you bend over, you are losing power. Stand straight, sit straight, position yourself straight. Maintain positive eye contact. Eye contact is hugely important in nonverbal communication because it really works differently in video meetings. In-person eye contact would mean looking directly at somebody's eyes. But if you're doing something at a video meeting, you have to maintain eye contact by looking into the camera. So it's a good idea to lower your monitor camera a little so that you don't have to tilt your head back to gaze up at it. And if you're using a teleprompter, you just always keep it at eye level. If you are in a one-on-one meeting face-to-face and there is a video camera, make the video camera your friend. Think of it as speaking to your best friend and look directly into the camera. I call it the eye of the camera because when they watch back that uh, the replay of your interview or audition, it'll look like you're speaking directly to them. Slow down your gestures, keeping your movements relaxed and using open arm gestures and showing the palms of your hands. The ultimate, you know, see, I have nothing to hide. It's not, you're not trying to be a magician. These are silent signals of credibility and of candor. 
So individuals using open gestures are perceived as being more positive, and they're definitely more persuasive than if you're using closed gestures. Like if you're trying to put your hands behind your back, or you're holding them too close to your body, or they're in your pocket, you know, you want your palms facing the people you're talking to. So too much hand movement, though, tends to look jerky on screen. So you've got to really practice beforehand and see what gestures work best for you. I know for me, being Italian, if you were to tie my hands, I wouldn't be able to talk. So I have to be really careful, especially on a meeting via um, via the Internet, that, you know, I don't talk too much with my hands because it'll just I'll just start creating circles. <laughs> Reduce any nervous behaviors. When we're nervous or stressed, we all pacify with some form of self-touching or nonverbal behavior. For example, we might play with our hair or we'll rub our hands together or we'll bounce our feet or we'll drum our fingers on the desk or we'll, you know, um, twirl our jewelry or we'll fidget. I, I When I'm coaching little kids and especially girls, I've had little girls actually roll, start from the bottom of their skirts and roll their skirts up, you know, like all the way to their underpants until I can say, put your skirt down, put your hands down. When you do any of these things, you immediately rob your statements of credibility or you look as if you're not interested in the conversation. So be aware of your nervous little tics and the things that you do when you're kind of stressed or uncomfortable and stop them. You want to change your behavior. If you catch yourself indulging in these things, just take a deep breath. Steady yourself by placing your feet firmly on the floor and put your palms down in your lap or on your desk. And that will really work out better. If you're on a podium, you can just put your palms on the podium or put them, rest them on the side of your body. So since we interpret what people say to us only partially from the words they use, we get most of the message and all of the emotional nuances behind the words from vocal tone, from pacing, facial expressions, and other nonverbal cues. So body language savvy can be the key to developing positive business relationships and presenting your ideas with more impact, whether you are in person or you are in a virtual meeting. So I hope that you will use some of these body language tips to your success for the next time that you have a meeting. Now, I wanted to also uh, give you seven tips or seven signs uh, for wisdom. And I think that these are also going to help you. You understand that failure is a result of trying something that didn't work out as you planned, but not as a description of you as a person. It's a result of an attempt at something, not a personal condition. And that is sort of a description of failure. Another sign of wisdom is you know that success doesn't make you a good person any more than failure makes you a bad person. Both are the outcomes, not a badge of honor or dishonor. You know that many of the troubles of the world are the result of men and women trying to force their self-importance on others. And while we all like to feel important, you let your others honor you rather than shouting, here I am, notice me. So you understand that the greater virtue lies in deserving honors rather than in receiving them. 
You've made peace with your past. You live without anger or bitterness over yesterday's sorrows and tribulations. You do not continue to punish yourself for mistakes made because you understand you've already paid the price for them through the law of cause and effect. The fifth sign of wisdom is you know your tomorrows depend on the things you do today, so you plan and work for things that do not offer instant gratification. You work with one eye on today and one on the future, knowing that in due time you will be rewarded. Number six, you have learned to be comfortable with yourself and accept yourself for who you are, warts and all. You also intentionally strive to keep becoming a better and better person because you know that life isn't about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself through intentional personal evolution. And finally, you focus on your responsibilities instead of your inabilities. You do the best you can with what you have to work with and you don't blame others for the outcomes that are your responsibilities. Now, do you have anything more to add to these seven signs of wisdom? If so, feel free to email me, Cynthia, at star-style.com. I'm always here to help you grow as a person and really want to be your personal growth and personal development coach. And Everything that you learn, I learn from you as well, and then I share the knowledge. Well, thanks so much for being great listeners this week and allowing both Heather and I into your lives. Make sure you're tuned to Voice America Empowerment Channel every week from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific with both Heather and I as we really enjoy being your coaches, and we love to bring you the experts and advice that offer fun and success. So you can change your life. You can make your dreams come true. For more information about Star Style Productions or to purchase any of my books, you can go to starstyleradio.com and go to the store there. And consider making a donation to Be The Star You Are charity. Visit bethestarur.org. And until we celebrate next week, I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style, Be The Star You Are, Shoot For The Stars. Be the star you are, the star you are, be the star you are, you are the star, be the star you are, It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program. Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.